Welcome to another powerful word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church in the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word? All right, let's open our Bibles, if we would, to the book of 2 Kings. We're going to be going to 2 Kings chapter 8. And uh, let me catch us up while you're turning to 2 Kings chapter 8. Let me catch us up on what we're going to find when we get there. Because today we're going to discover the fact that God is ahead of you. God is ahead of you. What do I mean by that? He's already gone ahead of you. He knows what the next, uh, you know, uh, what the next step looks like. He knows that, that, you know, what's around that curve. He knows what's over that hill. He already knows God is ahead of you. And because he is ahead of us, we can trust his leadership in our life. We can trust that he knows the end from the beginning. We can trust that he knows where we are going to achieve and experience our next victory. He already knows. And he is doing his best to guide us step by step. So there are some things this morning that we're going to look at from an account in 2 Kings 8 that will give us confidence that God is ahead of us and that he has already prepared something for us. We're not just marking time, we're not wasting time, and we're not just letting life happen to us. We are players, participants, participants in what God is doing here in our life, in our family, also our community, our nation, and the world. We make a difference. Well, by the time we get to 2 Kings chapter 8, there has already been a couple of players introduced to us. You don't have to turn there, you can read it later. But in 2 Kings chapter 4, four chapters earlier, the prophet Elisha had been walking through the land, and in walking through the land, he had been noticed by a woman, a younger woman married to an older man. She was a woman from Shunem, and so she is called the Shunammite woman. If you happen to read 2 Kings 4, you'll find her there. And seeing the prophet walk around the country and stay in, in places for some amount of time, she got concerned about the prophet that he did not have a place to stay. He didn't have a room. He didn't have a place to lay down and rest. He didn't have a place that he felt was his. And so she went and asked her older husband, she said, could we make a room available for the prophet Elisha? And so uh, the husband said, okay, and she made this nice little room for him so that when he and his traveling companion, his servant Gehazi, when they were in the area, they would go to that room and rest and sleep and stay, and, and it, it was a good deal. And so later on, the prophet Elisha realized that these people were really taking care of him. And this woman was being so kind, and she was providing for him, and it was just a real kindness. And with that, he decided he wanted to do something for her. 
So he said, what is it that you need? Do you need anything? You've been kind to me. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And so he ends up asking his servant Gehazi, what do you think this woman needs? She has done us such a wonderful service being so kind. Is there anything she needs? Well, Gehazi told him she does not have any children. She is barren and her husband is older. And, 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 and so she has no son and that's what she wants. So the prophet said, all right, good deal. You know, hey, lady. Thanks for all your help. You're going to have a son. So at the end of one year, she has this son. Well, the son begins to grow. You can read about this as, you know, in, in, in chapter 4. The son grows up, gets a little older, and he starts going with his father out to the fields to check on the employees and the, and the servants and the hired hands in the fields and the accountants. And, and so one day he's out in the fields with his father checking on things, and he gets a horrible headache. I mean, this headache is so bad, there's so much pain that the father is concerned for the child's life, and so he sends the child and takes the child back home to the mom. And they lay the child in this upper room, and, and, and no matter what they did, it ended up that the child died. Well, when the child died, the woman said to her servants, get me a donkey. And she, you know, wrapped herself up. And she went to the prophet. And on her way to the prophet, she did not let anything get in her way. And the prophet, all of a sudden, Elijah, one of my favorite things about prophets, you know, sometimes if you're around somebody that is real prophetic or, or they know so much and they're right, you know, uh, seven out of ten times, uh, <laughs> they think they're right ten out of ten times. You know, uh, and I, I love the fact that there are two places in the Word of God that tells us that, uh, three places actually, that tell us that, that, that prophets are just people, okay? Uh, one of them is in the book of Elijah, um, excuse me, in the, in the book of James, where, where uh, James says, consider Elijah, a man subject to like passions such as you. He was just a man just like you. I love that. One of them is Naaman the prophet. Whenever David tells Naaman the prophet, I'm going to build a house of God. And Naaman says, do all that's in your heart. The Lord is with you. Naaman goes home and God speaks to Naaman and says, what did you do? That's not the truth. Go back to David and tell him, how dare you think you can build me a house? You know, um, sometimes people with good intentions can give you their best advice, but the advice not really be right. Well, Elisha, with this woman coming towards him, he all of a sudden realizes and he says, whoa, there's something wrong in this woman's life and the Lord has hid it from me. I don't know about it. That can be a real shock whenever you realize that something is going on that I should know about, that I really think I should know about, but I don't know about. Whoa! And so the woman gets there, and basically she's upset. You know, did I ask you for a son? Did, I mean, what, did, this was your idea, and now the child has died. I've got heartache that I never asked for. I've got trouble. I've got, uh, I've got brokenness that I cannot deal with. Did I ask you for this? Elisha 
sends his servant with his rod, says, run, go, lay this on the child. Well, he did, nothing happened. So Elisha goes. And you can read the story. It reads much better than I tell it. And he lays himself on the child, you know, mouth to mouth, you know, uh, uh, and, 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 and prays. And then, you know, again, and, and, and anyway, the, the child is raised from the dead, restored to life. Well, time moves along. That was a wonderful miracle. Now we get to chapter 8. In, in chapter 8, you know, and, and, and by the way, you know, God always goes before us. God stays ahead of our needs. Uh, in 2 Kings 8, we begin verse 1. Then Elisha, this is sometime later, he spoke to the woman whose son he had restored. Now, it appears that in this space of time that this woman's husband had, had gone off the scene. Most likely he has died. And it's her and her son and her household and her servants. Okay? And so Elisha speaks to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can. Oh, now there's some real direction for you. <laughs> stay wherever you find a place to stay. Get up and go, you and your servants, your household. Stay wherever you can. For the Lord has called for a famine. And furthermore, it will come up on the land for seven years. Now, uh, in case you're taking notes, and if not, you can always rewind, all right, if you're watching online, or you can go home and uh, get the archives if you want these next points. I'm going to have seven points this morning, okay? And we're still going to get out on time. And all of them are going to tell us that in the end, God is ahead of us. God is always ahead of us. He has always, you know, looked, he, he, he's always looked around the next corner, over the next hill. He always knows the future. He knows the end from the beginning. And, and, and so here, uh, Elisha has said to this woman, go and stay where you can because the Lord has called for a famine that will last seven years. You know, Point number one is the things which impact the world around us impact our lives as well. You know, uh, the war in Israel today impacts our lives. You know, uh, my friends and my family in Israel, they did not start that war, but they are impacted by it. The things that impact the world around us, and we need to realize that just because we are born-again believers, just because we have come to Christ, just because we are children of God, just because we are living a good life, just because we've done everything we're supposed to do, does not mean that the world around us will not also impact our lives. When we're in a difficult time, however, we have hope and we have faith. We should have hope and faith. That it's not over yet, because if it's bad, God is not finished yet. God will not leave us on a down note. He will not drop us along the way. He will not forsake us. He'll never leave us. He will not abandon us in any difficult situation. If it is bad, it's not over yet. But the things that impact the world will also impact your life. You know, from economic things to, uh, you know, to COVID 
to you know, all the other things that came along in life over the past few years, you know, they impacted our lives. They impacted our economy, our jobs. They impact our communities, our nation. You know, no matter who you voted for, whatever's going on in Washington today is impacting your life. Okay? Uh, and uh, it just does. Just like this little woman. You know, she didn't do anything bad. She's been told here that God is sending a judgment upon the land, and this judgment is going to bring famine for seven years, and it's going to affect you as well. And so you need to get somewhere else where there's not a famine. In 2 Corinthians, in the fourth chapter, the Apostle Paul said it this way, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. You see what he's saying? The difference in being a believer in Christ is that someone is right there with you, and even if afflictions might come, yet the Lord will deliver you from them all. Tears may last for a nighttime, but joy comes in the morning. But the things that impact the world around us impact our life as well. The next chapter, uh, excuse me, the next verse, 2 Kings 8, verse 2. So the woman, this Shunammite woman, arose and did according to the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines seven years. Whoa. She went down to the enemy's camp. Why? Because Philistia were plains, and they were well watered, and they had a lot of grain and a lot of corn and a lot of produce. And so, uh, you know, uh, where she had been living was more mountainous and more uh, dry and more susceptible to a famine and more susceptible to a lack of rain. And, and, you know, with all of the idolatry going on at this point in Israel, she could worship God in, in the world as good as she could worship Him in, in, in Israel. You know, Philistia, I mean, uh, yes, they worshiped other gods, but they weren't anti-worship of Jehovah. And, and, uh, and Israel worshiped other gods. And so, you know, she could maintain her worship and maintain her connection with God and yet still take care of her family. I find it interesting that the prophet... This particular prophet, Elisha, the Bible says he received a double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah. You know, the prophet Elijah did seven miracles that are recorded in the Bible. The prophet Elisha did 14. There's a double portion. Well, the prophet Elijah called for a famine that lasted three and a half years. The prophet Elisha Call for one that lasted seven years, a double portion. Isn't that interesting? I find these things interesting. God is so perfect in all of his ways. And she went down to a place, go where you can find. No doubt the Lord was leading her, but the prophet didn't tell her exactly where to go. Maybe he didn't know, but she went to a place under the covering of God and was taken care of. You see, point number two says that the Lord never points to where he will not provide. The Lord will never point where he will not provide. The Lord will not send you someplace and he's not going to take care of you. Okay? And it may not be the easiest. It may, you, know, you may not end up the richest. But if the Lord asks you to do something and you do what he said do, he's going to take care of you. That's his obligation. The Lord will never point to where he will not provide. Next verse, verse 3 of 2 Kings 8. 
So it came to pass at the end of the seven years that the Shunammite woman returned from the land of the Philistines and she went to make an appeal to the king for her house and her land. You know, this reminds us that God has a calendar. We've talked about it the last few weeks. God has a calendar, okay? And, and God is committed. He is committed to his appointed times. And he had appointed seven years, and seven years it was going to be. It came to pass, verse 3 says. You know, it always comes to pass. I love what Pastor Mike Daisy says. It came to pass. It didn't come to stay. It came to pass. Whatever it was, it came to pass. The famine, it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. For six years, I served in the military, and every commander I served under had a policy called an open-door policy. Any of you who have been in the military, uh, maybe your commander had an open-door policy as well. What does that mean? That means that I could walk into his office and make a complaint. Not literally, but he just said it. He didn't mean it. But, uh, <laughs> but you have to say it. You have to say nice things. You know, open-door policy. That means without, you know, without respect to my rank or my position, that I could make an appeal, I could make a petition to my commander. He had an open door. His policy was, my door's open, you can come in and talk to me anytime. Yeah, try that. I was the guy outside of his office with a gun that said you couldn't. Okay? I was a bodyguard for U.S. and, US and foreign dignitaries. And a part of my job, uh, I was a personal security guard for the, for the vice commander of NATO and the, the, uh, uh, the commander of all... Allied Air Forces and uh, of, of, of Europe, and so that was my job. You did, yeah. Open door, yeah. Uh -huh. Touch that door. Let's see if it opens. Um, but nonetheless, <laughs> that's what an open an open door policy is. Uh, you know, come in and make your appeal to me. It's almost like you know Paul with uh, with appealing to Caesar. You know, I have a right to appeal to Caesar uh, because I can. You know. Uh, I'm a citizen. Well, I like the fact that when we look at the Old Testament, it is a pattern of that. And indeed, the New Testament bears it out. There really is an open door policy with God. And it's demonstrated here by the king, Jehoram, who had an open door policy that this woman who was, who was, you know, uh, had, had been disinherited. She had been gone from the land for seven years. Her husband was not on the scene. And even the law supported that, that, that her land had then been absorbed by her family and that she would have to wait to the year of Jubilee in order to, to get that land back. But nonetheless, she was not satisfied with that. She didn't stop there. She didn't let that shut her down. She went to see the king. I love that. She walked into the king's office, you know, and uh, here she made her appeal to the king. She had a right to get into the king. I love that picture. You know, this brings us to the third point. You know, she didn't have to go to the prophet. She didn't have to go to a priest. She didn't have to go to any other man. Point number three, every believer has direct personal access to God anytime they choose. I love that. I love the fact 
that I have a direct connection to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That I don't have to come and ask someone else. I don't have to give someone else my petition. I don't have to go through a priest, a prophet, or anybody else. I can go directly to Almighty God. The Bible says His door is open. I am accepted in the Beloved. The Bible tells us that, that, that I can boldly come to the throne of grace and get mercy from God anytime I want. Wow, what a deal. She went to the king. No doubt she went to her relatives first. No doubt she tried to go home first. No matter what obstacle you are facing, you haven't heard the last of it till you heard from God. That's the way it works. The next verse, verse 4 of 2 Kings 8. Then the king talked with Gehazi, the servant. Now, this woman's on her way to make an appeal to the king. She's, she's, you know, been turned down. She's been gone. All she has done is what God asked her to do, the prophet told her to do. She's come back, you know, even, you know, even the law agreed that she couldn't get it back. She's on her way to see the king. Then the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Now, Elisha's not dead at this time. He's just in Syria, okay? He's in Damascus. And so here, Gehazi, his servant, is with the king, and the king says, Tell me about all the things that your, your master, the prophet, has done. And there had been so many things that Elisha had done. He had, he had separated the Jordan waters and walked across on dry ground. You know, he, he had just, uh, uh, and so Gehazi, the servant of the, of, of the prophet, here he is speaking to the king, and he's telling the king all of these things. You see, God has angels on assignment on your behalf, just like on this woman's behalf. Gehazi had no knowledge that he was speaking for God. He just thought he was having a conversation. He just thought it was a day like every day. But yet, he was speaking on behalf of God, and God was directing this conversation, and God was going to turn it in such a way that the will and the purpose of God was going to be completed. You know, there's someone speaking your name to important people behind the scenes right now to fulfill the will and the purpose, to give you your greatest opportunity, your greatest day. And in fact, you may be even called to be a messenger of God. You you may not even know it like Gehazi, but you could be someone who is asked by another person about somebody or something else, and you don't even know that God is guiding your conversation and guiding your comments in such a way that God's will is going to be done, that God's will is going to be serviced. Most likely, you don't even know when you're an angel on assignment. Gehazi didn't. He couldn't have known. But I promise you, God always had someone in the right place at the right time with the right message. You see, God is always ahead of us. Point number four, God sets his children up to succeed. 
Now get this picture. The woman's been gone for seven years. She and her son, her household, they come back. You know, they're denied access to their property and their land and doesn't know what to do, so I'm going to go see the king. She's on her way to see the king, and just at that time, the king says to Gehazi, hmm, and you know, Gehazi didn't go with Elisha to Syria. Why? I don't know. I, well, do know. It was not God's will. You know, sometimes, well, why didn't we get to go? Because God needed you right here. Because there's something, you know, in God's plan. And so Gehazi is just there aimless. And the king says, tell me all the things that Elisha did. Well, he did this, he did that, you know. Verse 5. Now it happened as Gehazi was telling the king how he, how Elisha had restored the dead to life that there was a woman whose son had been restored to life appealing to the king for her house and for her land now right about the time he gets to the miracle of raising this child which we talked about earlier in second kings 4 and telling the king hey one time elisha caused a woman from Shunem for her son to be raised from the dead. And look around, and there she is, appealing to the king for her land back. Verse, uh, the finishing verse 5. And Gehazi said, My Lord, the king, <laughs> this is the woman, and, and this is her son whom Elijah restored to life. Boy, talk about coincidence. There's no such thing as a coincidence. You know, when people say coincidence, it's just God remaining anonymous. You know, nothing just happens. Now it happened. That's what the writer says. Now it happened. It just happened that while he was telling the king about this little boy that was raised from the dead, boom, there he is. No, nothing just happens. Nothing God sets his children up for success. You know, God is ahead of us. God is already prepared for our next step. He knows what's around the corner, what's over the hill. He told her seven years ago to go and to come back. Here she's back. He's prepared. You will never catch God unprepared for anything that you're going to do. Jonah, you know, the Bible says God had prepared a great fish. Yes, God is prepared. He's ahead of you. He knew Jonah was going to say no. He knew Jonah was going to go down to Joppa. You know, some of us, I don't know, about 35 of us were in Joppa just about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And there we stood in Joppa and imagine Jonah getting on that ship and, you know, going out toward Tarshish. God was prepared. God is ahead of us. God's always ahead of us. When we walk with Jesus, there are no coincidences. There are no, things don't just happen. There is a perfect time under heaven for everything, the Bible says. 
God works all things together for good. God works everything together for good to those who love Him and those who are called according to His purpose. He's working while we're waiting. God is working while we're waiting on God. We're never wasting time. God is working. He's working behind the scenes. He's putting the pieces of the puzzle together just in time. Right time, right place, right moment, right picture. We might forget We might make a mistake, but God will never forget. And God will never make a mistake. God knows what he's doing, and he's ahead of you. My fifth point is that God is seldom early, and he is never late. (laughs) He's seldom early. Here she shows up. I mean, she's been turned down. God is right on time. When you know it, boom, right on time. Right on time, never late. Verse 6, this is the last verse we'll read today. Uh, Chapter 8, verse 6, 2 Kings. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. What did she tell him? She told him that all I did was just prepare a place for the prophet because it fell on my heart. Even that was God. And and I I made him this place and then he, he told me I would have a son. And even though my husband was old and, and I was barren, yet I had this son. And then the son died and I went to the prophet and the prophet sent a servant, but then eventually came himself and raised my son. And then he told me to go away for seven years because of the famine. I've come again and I know the law and I know it's, it's not the year of Jubilee. And, I, I, and, and she told him and so the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left the land until now. You know, the Bible only tells one story. Interpreting Scripture is not difficult. We interpret Scripture with Scripture. The Bible only tells one story. And unless and until each Scripture identifies and supports that one story you do not have a correct interpretation on it it's not over yet it's not finished yet you don't see the picture yet keep on the bible only tells one story and that one story is a story of redemption it's a story of restoration that's the only thing we know about god we know very very little about god but the little we know can be wrapped up in the word redemption what god has planned to restore, to redeem, to recover mankind from sin. Every account in the Bible is designed to add another facet to the one story God is telling. It's a story of God being good, of Him being a loving God, a caring God, a forgiving God, a God that wants us to have a happy and peaceful life, a God that wants to help us through our difficulties, a God that understands that we are walking in a world that does not love Him, does not like Him, does not know Him, and that wants to destroy everything that is good. And yet Almighty God sent His Son into this world. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly to give us a chance to experience redemption. The Shunammite woman was evidently told by her relatives that she could not possess her land. She would have to wait, no doubt, until the year of Jubilee. Well, guess what? The king declared the year of Jubilee in her life. Everything restored. For the person 
who appeals to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is a picture This was written in the Scriptures. This account took place so that Almighty God could reveal His will to us right here in 2023, today, so that God could show us His will for our life and that the King has the authority and the power to pass by the law and to grant mercy where there would have been judgment and to declare a year of jubilee. She appealed to the king. She could have stopped with, I don't want to go out of town. She could have stopped with, I'm comfortable in the new place. She could have stopped with, I understand why I can't have what I want. She could have stopped with the no, but she didn't. She went to the king and she appealed to the king and the king granted her. She did not give up. She did not let her heart sink, but rather she went in this picture in our world. She went to the one that could fix it, who had authority over all. Every year is the year of jubilee for the believer in Jesus Christ. Every appeal ends up with Almighty God favoring his children. She could have stopped. She could have quit. She could have given up. Point number six, don't treat it like it's over. If you treat it like it's over, it'll be over. You don't have to treat it like it's over. There may not be anything you can do, and God does not always give you everything you want, but He is for you, not against you, and He will help you to gain the things that you need. He will help you to restore first your life, first your heart, first your mind, your convictions. There may not be anything He can do about someone else in your world, but God will help you with you. Appeal to Him and don't treat it like it's over. Don't let your last worst mistake take you out, make you quit. What you are experiencing is not punishment for your past. It's positioning for your future. Listen to me. What you're experiencing, what you're feeling, it's not punishment for your past. It's positioning for your future. God has no desire. There will, uh, uh, today, there will come one day when God will judge sin harshly. This is not today. Today he's in the forgiveness business. Today he's in the restoration business. Today he is in the recovery business. It's not over till God says it's over. And if it's bad, it's not finished yet. Jesus said, how much more shall God avenge his children, avenge his children who cry unto him night and day, appeal to the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Point number seven. It's just a conclusion of the little woman's life. Listen, when we follow the will of God for our lives, we never lose. We don't lose. In fact, she gained the more. She gained. She followed the will of God and she gained. Now, I don't deny she lost seven years in the process. And she had to go through some difficult times, no doubt, in Philistia. And had to go through some difficult experiences. But in the end, she recovered all. 
What seems like a surprise to us is a plan to God. Let me encourage you to stop worrying and start petitioning God. Let me encourage you to turn your life over to Him. There is no other way. I'm so far away from that hole I crawled out of. I'm so far away. The years now have made it so pale. It's hard for me to remember how it was when I did not turn to God with everything I have. I pray that's the way it is for you. But if not, it can be in the years to come. Twenty years, they're going to come and go, whether you serve the Lord or not. But if today you will give your heart to Christ, if today you will call upon the King of Kings and ask Him to save your soul, to save your moment, to save you from an eternity in hell, and to save you from the hell of this life, He will come into your heart, come into your life. Invite Him in. He wants to be your Lord and Savior. He paid a great price to forgive you, and He's willing to right now. The truth is that He was God before you were born, and He will be God after you're dead. And He is God right now. There is no other. He is God. You do your best, trust and obey, and let Him do the rest. Do your best. Let Him do the rest. You see, because He's ahead of you. He's already seen around the corner. He's already seen past the tragedy. That's what the Bible says about Jesus. He endured the cross because he saw there was a joy that was set before him. He saw past the cross. He saw beyond the cross. You can also endure your moment by looking beyond the moment and realizing that God has a plan for your life. If you'll participate with him, he will succeed. It's a good plan. He loves you. Won't you bow your head for a moment here on campus, there at home? Why don't you just a moment, just, just bow your head, your heart. Let's pray and let's petition the King of Kings for what we need. Let's ask Him for our heart's desire. I'm hoping it's just to be found doing His will and pleasing Him. There's always something you can do to please Him. What is your next step? That's all you're responsible for is just your next step. Lord God, here we are, sir. If some do not know you, they've never asked you to be their Lord and Savior. They've never, never sincerely given their lives to you, never yielded their, their human nature to you. Lord, if they've never been born again, I pray right now, God, they would simply invite you into their heart. Just simply say, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, be my Lord, be my Savior. More than fire insurance, be my master. Command me, speak to me. Be gentle and loving and kind, but lead me out of the miry clay, out of the confusion, out of the hurt, the hardship, out of the things I have caused and out of the things, Lord, that have happened to me. Lead me, God. Save my soul. Forgive my sins. I give my life to you. Lord, there's nothing I can do about yesterday, but today, Lord, I'm going to serve you. One step, one day at a time. I'm yours. And God... Lord, I thank you for forgiving of sins, Lord, for saving souls. But, Lord, there are so many, Lord, of us who are saved, and yet we need help in our moment, Lord, in our difficult time, Lord. We need your help, sir.
Lord, guide us, lead us, God. Lord, help us to trust you, Lord, that you're ahead of us, that you see beyond what we see, and that you're guiding our steps, Lord, that you will not leave us, you will not drop us, you will not abandon us, Lord, that you will go ahead of us, Lord, and prepare a table before us, Lord, even in the presence of our enemies. God, we thank you, Lord, for Jesus, for the love that he's given us. Help us to be patient and kind, forgiving, loving, Lord, merciful, God. Help us, Almighty God, to be what you need us to be so that others, Lord, we might speak up on their behalf, Lord. God, use us as angels on assignment. Forgive us where we failed you. Strengthen us in our walk, Lord. And God, give us fellowship with one another. We ask these things, Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus, who went ahead of us to prepare a place for us that where he is, there we may one day be with him. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.